So you'll notice that we are on episode five, and you may be wondering to yourself, well, what happened to episode four? Well, the theme today is going to directly connect to that, the theme of mystery. We don't know. It is a true mystery what happened to the episode. The audio was somehow deleted, and we're not sure. We're not sure what happened. So what we want to do is at some point we're going to come back and we're going to finish the idea of love and and connect uh, episode three to the lost episode four. We're going to finish these these thoughts on love that we had. But today we want to jump into this concept of mystery and uh, really flesh that out since this is what we came prepared with. So again, we will come back and we'll finish this theme on love later, hopefully with Uh, some fresh perspectives that can offer us some better insights than the three of us can. Um, But but for now, hopefully you'll enjoy this episode on mystery. and welcome to the Fireside Podcast, where our mission is to better engage culture, to encourage the church, and to glorify God. I'm Houston. I'm Jeremiah. And I am Cleeton. All right. Guys, today we're talking about mystery. Ooh. Yeah, very mystery. scary theme. Mm. Today we're talking about mystery here in the Fireside Podcast. We're going to talk specifically about how the story concept of mystery intersects with our faith and what we believe about that. All right. So when we talk about mystery, what do we mean by mystery? Well, we have mystery stories where you're finding out a culprit or someone like that. And I don't think that's what we're talking about today, but that's one aspect. Right. Right. Where there's some underlying message or hidden aspect that we're trying to unwrap or uncover, but we need to take in the whole story to be able to figure out what that mysterious aspect is. Yeah, it's interesting that mystery stories are actually not about the mystery. They're about the revealing, the truth behind the mystery, right? Mm -hmm. So like a detective novel where they're trying to solve a crime, the truth is there and it's attainable. But the mystery, quote unquote mystery, is the process of reaching that goal, right? Reaching that knowledge. So that's like what Clayton was saying is that that's not what we're talking about today. We're not talking about solving a mystery. We're talking about embracing mystery. Clayton had us watch this TED Talks video of J.J. Abrams from about a couple years ago or so. Uh, Would somebody like to give us a synopsis of that? In this TED Talk, J.J. Abrams kind of goes through his well, essentially, is his life, but um, what he, how he got to the point of filmmaking, which is a story about his grandfather, which I found pretty, pretty interesting in, yeah. and of, in and of itself, but also how he addresses films is through this kind of unique, yeah, yeah, but, it's a lens essentially, yeah, a, lens. It's a lens of mystery. Yeah. So in his mind, his movies, he uses what's called a mystery box. And I think you can see that 
throughout his all of his films, uh, specifically Lost. I've never seen Lost, but I guess there's something that you you know he draws your attention to, and it's there the whole time, or it's on the forefront of everybody's mind. What's in the box? But you don't actually know anything until everything is complete. Yeah, until the until the show's over with. Right. And, and he does that with uh, his Super 8 movie. Um, mm-hmm. Really, really obvious there. But also, well, one that I was wanting to talk about was the Star Wars. You know, he, he got to make the first uh, reinstallment of Star Wars, episode, episode 7. And from the very beginning, you get this this mystery of who is Rey or where is Luke and we still don't know and we, we still, still don't, don't know. know and that's the whole point he wants to entice you into this mystery and get you wrapped up into it and before you know it you you know you're 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 engaged in the story waiting for this answer yeah so in the TED talk he talks about this mystery box which was the theme of the, the TED talk um, which was a box of magic tricks that his grandpa bought him when he was uh when he was younger. Yeah, he was younger. Yeah. I think he's 14. Yeah, okay. Um and so this whole mystery box idea was that it was a $15 box that had $50 worth of magic in it. And uh JJ was so excited about it, he just inevitably didn't open it. So he's talking about it sits in his office even to this day. And he looks at it, and it, it encourages him to write stories and, and write better stories. Um, and this mystery box, he said to him, represents not only his grandpa, so it's not only a, a, a memorial to him, but it also represents the concept of mystery to him in general. And, and he says something to the effect of, if I open it, um, it's not going to live up to my expectations, right? And so it, it served more of a purpose to him closed than open. So specifically, he said that mystery is the catalyst for imagination, and that sometimes mystery is more important than knowledge. Right. So when he opens up that box, he knows that there are, quote-unquote, $50 worth of magic tricks in there. But the endless possibilities of what he suspects might be in it are so much more valuable to him than whatever those tricks might be. And, man, I mean, that that just hits me in a deep level, right? Yeah, and so when he when he takes this application from his mystery box, he he uses that same idea and instead of, you know, this mystery box, he he looks at each and every single page of script as a potential mystery box. Mm-hmm. And so he even stretches that further into, you know, our topics or our overall arching topic of story and that story is a mystery box itself. And we ourselves are essentially mystery boxes. Yeah, so in his, his TED Talk, essentially everything is a mystery box. Right. For, for his purpose. Yeah. Because the whole idea of mystery to him is that there's so much more to something than what meets the eye. Right? Mm-hmm. So everything has this complexity about it and this depthness about it that the mystery is kind of this element of right it stops you in your tracks because you don't know how to comprehend or speak anymore so how do we connect this to 
our faith? What does that mean for us as believers? What do we care about what mystery is or isn't? Or, you know, why, why, why does this matter for us? I think you kind of mentioned it, J.J., that um, Ab- uh, J.J. Abrams. <laughs> not me. No, not the other J.J. The other J.J. He, you know, he said mystery is more important than knowledge. And I think we we connect we can connect that to our our story our story of faith, and that we you know haven't necessarily thought that was true mm-hmm. that we that we very much think the opposite that knowledge is more important than mystery right. and we fight against mystery and and we seek after knowledge yeah so just just to kind of touch on that idea that knowledge to us is more important than mystery. This comes from the Enlightenment, this idea that knowledge is, is completely attainable, and I think even more importantly that knowledge is necessary, is necessary. For well, during that whole time period, that's where people found their value, was in, in their knowledge, how much yeah. they knew. And as a, it, was a, it, was a cultural, it was a cultural thing. And now in this post-Enlightenment era, we're born into this idea that the pursuit of knowledge is the most important thing or one of the most important things at least. And, you know, unfortunately I think that kind of goes in contrast to what scripture tells us. Um, and before you grab your pitchforks and, and come to hunt us down, I'm not saying that we should not pursue knowledge. And I'm definitely not saying that we should not pursue knowledge about God and about scripture. I just think that we have to understand our limitations in that. Right. That we can't be fully set on something because there's more to everything than meets the eye. Yes. So we're talking about how J.J. Abrams talks about, thinks about, and uses the idea of mystery. Why don't we take a quick look at how the Bible talks about mystery? And specifically, we're going to talk about some of the things Paul says about mystery. There are many times throughout Scripture where Paul uses the word mystery. He actually uses it 21 times in his epistles. And each case involves a wonderful declaration of spiritual truth revealed by God through divine inspiration. Um, We can see this in Ephesians 3, which I think Houston has that pulled up for us. Yes, Paul says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. So here Paul is talking about mystery in the sense that the clues were all around them, but they are missing the component to unify them, which is Christ. So in this section, Paul is saying there were clues in all of in all of scriptures that the Gentiles would be included in uh, in the promise. In the promise, yeah. Thank you. And I, I'm thinking first to the promise to Abraham uh, that he'll be a father uh, to the nations, and that through him the all the world would be blessed. So it seems that even an initial promise to the nation of Israel, to their father Abraham, 
God showed that he had a he had a plan for all of the world, not just his people. But Paul is saying that maybe we didn't quite understand that before. But when Christ comes, we understand the the mystery. His revelation, the revelation of Christ unravels this mystery for us that then Gentiles are included. And and you know, we're not going to dive in too much to this specific instance of mystery. We just want to again talk about the idea of mystery in scripture. So I think it's interesting that Paul uses mystery in that way. In that he says, This this has been known for a while, but we haven't had the eyes to see it. Uh you know, that that's definitely one type of thing. Like this box is here. We just don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh versus like maybe another type of mystery where we're just totally not ready for. And all of a sudden it's it bursts onto the scene. We gotta figure it out. Yeah, and that's definitely what Paul is touching on, is that Christ is this mystery that that bursts on the scene, like you said, and suddenly starts connecting all of these dots everywhere and starts revealing things to us. And so it's like the mystery of Christ is revelation. So that's that's kind of a paradoxical idea, but, but Christ in all his complexity and, and mystery, in, in all reality, his mystery, is what reveals things to us. Yes, I like that. And I think if we continue to roll with this box metaphor, we can see that, you know, how, how do you interpret what's in the box with the information that you're given? Well, you look at the outside of the box. Like, what what does it say that is inside this box from the outside of the box? There's a picture usually representing something that's inside. There's plenty of text to kind of tell you, you know, what, what might be in what might be in the box, but that might necessarily not be what's in the box, right? We, we still don't know because we haven't opened it. There could be something completely different in there. But at least we have a context to help us guide our our thoughts and our direction towards what, what is supposed to be there. You know, Jeremiah, actually, I think I disagree with you here. I think... That's okay. Uh, Roland, still yeah, it is okay to disagree. And that's because the beauty of mystery, right? That's, that's the beauty of mystery is that right. we get to disagree about it, um, but we still get to embrace it together, I think. I think if we connect this mystery box idea to... Christ, then we come to this point where we decide whether or not we open it. And I think the cool thing about the mystery of Christ is that we can open it and search it and go through it and process it and deconstruct it and unravel it, and we can still never really fully understand the mystery. You know, so I think it's we're not even just limited to just looking from the outside in. We get to take these the the scriptural accounts and we get to read the Gospels, and we get to hear other people's interactions with Christ, and, and we get to unravel those and, and process on them and, and chew on them, and we still can never have a full view of God. And so I think this is an example of how, how really Christ is the ultimate mystery. Yeah, maybe I didn't articulate myself well enough because, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think we're kind of maybe talking about the same thing, but but differently. No, and it's, so it sounds it sounds like we, we actually agree. Um, I, I, I misunderstood what you're saying. So I, I want to touch... Let's go back to Ephesians 3, because what, what is this mystery that's being revealed all of a sudden? And I think in that specific text, it's about this Gentile inclusion, something that they should have known the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. But, boy, I mean, do they have a hard time with accepting that? You know, they are, they're not willing to, the Jews nor the, you know, certain Gentiles are willing to accept this inclusion together, this embracing of one another, to a certain extent, right? 
Uh, but Paul is writing to them and saying, no, what, what needs to happen is you guys need to be embracing one another because this mystery has always been uh, revealed to a certain extent, but now it's clear. So if we could encourage you to do something, it's to just pull up a, a concordance or just do a simple Google search of scripture and mystery. You know, just, just look at all the examples of the word mystery in scripture. Um, and, you know, we're not going to hit every single of the 21 times that Paul uses mystery. Uh, that's not, that's really not our point today. We, we just wanted to talk about the idea that mystery is, is a common and integral theme to the gospel. You know, not, not just the gospels, but the gospel, right? Paul says again in the end of Romans, he says, um, in accordance with my gospel, and by that he means the message that he proclaimed about Jesus, he kept with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past. And I think this is probably the purest example of mystery in that I think he's referring to everything. Everything that was bundled up in Scripture before Christ was revealed in Christ. We talked about this before we started, that it is very appropriate to go through the Old Testament and read things through the lens of Christ because we know that Christ reveals Scripture to us. We also want to say it's appropriate to read it uh, in absence of Christ in its in its original context because, you know, it, it had purpose before Christ and it has purpose after Christ, and we have to honor both of those things. Um, but again, we just want to encourage you to, to think about this idea of mystery and the idea of Christ is the revelation of the mystery to us. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we think is one of the most exciting mysteries in our faith, and that's the sacraments. So the, the sacrament that I think that we want to talk about today that most defines mystery for us is is the Eucharist, the, uh, the Lord's Supper, um, communion, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I prefer Eucharist. Um, so I'm going to use that. So the Eucharist is referring to the time where Jesus instituted something new uh, during the Jewish traditional feast of the Passover. He gathered his disciples and essentially reinterpreted a very monumental event of Passover and he changed it to focus it all on him and he used two emblems bread and wine and said these two items these two elements now represent something more this is my body and this is my blood and you are to partake of these things. Which in connection with John 6 says, if you do not partake of these things, then you have no part of me. And so we have these, this new tradition that has been fulfilled beyond even what was happening originally. So Jeremiah, will you read what Paul says about the Lord's Supper portion from from 1 Corinthians. And uh, before we get into it, just like a little background, the 
church at Corinth is having issues with their gatherings when they do communion. People are misusing it. They are not coming together in community. They are indulging, overindulging, under, you know, so on and so forth. There's just a lot of issues with their time of communion together. They're they're partaking in the Eucharist together. And so this is this is what Paul says to them about that. Yes, this is chapter 11, verse 20 of 1 Corinthians. So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further directions. The word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Yeah, so if we're just going to break down this passage really quick and process together what the Eucharist is, what communion is, what does this passage teach us? I think one major thing is uh, something that Professor Shane Wood said in class is that uh, you you become what you ingest. That's a very, very mysterious statement. And Shane also went on to say that this is a time of remembrance where we are remembering what what Christ did for us. Um, and so that, that word, if you break it up, remember, you're, you're putting it back together. You're becoming something else. And that's, that's a very mysterious concept. Yeah, you just think about what has happened to the Eucharist in the last 2,000 years. We can just see that there's so much mystery involved or surrounding this this moment in time that we don't know what to do with it and we attempt to define it and to put it in a box so that we can somehow control it better and I think you know again what we're trying to get at is that we we shouldn't be that way with mystery you know we should embrace it more because anytime we assume that we've solved the riddle we've solved the mystery we make it smaller than it is right if if at the end of the day we sit down and we say look this is what the lord's supper is it is x y and z it's an act of becoming what we're ingesting we're becoming christ it's um 
remembering his death. It's a reference to Passover, and it is reconstructing ourselves. Those are the four elements. We've gotten it. We're done. And, and you know, I, I don't want, first of all, we don't want anyone to walk away from this podcast and, and think that we even, we think we know really what, what communion's about. Um, because specifically what we're saying is we don't. We, we know these things about it, and we know these elements to it, and, and we can think and talk around communion. But at the end of the day, it, it is it's a mysterious thing. Yeah, the Eucharist is just such a contentious practice that we we just want to control it so much. Mm-hmm. And so we make up all of these X, Y, Z things that are happening. And then we look at the other, our brother, and just m- murder him because we don't agree with him. And so we split up and we just get, you know, have a schism over the very thing that's supposed to unite us. Mm-hmm. And I, I just can't help but, you know, take a step back and look at like what, what in that moment is causing us to think this way and act this way. And, and to me, it seems that it, it's such a, a Western, it's, it's, it's a Western idea that because you know, of, of Descartes and others who, who came to an understanding of reality because their thought process was, I am the first thing that matters. You know, I think therefore I am and everything flows out from that, that all reality now can be defined and can be categorized and can be known to as much as we can. We can know as much as we we can, you know, process. And I think then that becomes the litmus test for reality, right? We've taken this assumption that reality can be known. And so therefore, if it's reality, it must be knowable. And so then if we can't know it, it must not be reality, right? How often do we approach the Bible and say, if I can't understand this, how can it be true? And my biggest thing is exactly i mean if you can't if you can understand it how could it possibly be true how could we possibly believe that this infinite god is expressing himself to us and us expect to understand the entirety of it i mean if if we could understand it it probably isn't true you're saying this idea that reality is knowable and is understandable and and obviously to many degrees it is but our whole engagement in the sacraments is us stepping back. Our engagement in the Eucharist is us stepping back and saying, you know, I, I don't understand everything, but I'm going to participate in communion with my brothers to essentially put those things to the side. Right? Like you were saying that communion is an inclusive thing and we've found ways to separate ourselves from each other through communion. I mean, what an ironic and, and just travesty, what a travesty that is that we've turned this time of unity into a time of division and strife. Yeah, and and I kind of want to touch base again. Like, I think it comes from this idea of this Western thought process that we have to know everything because we don't 
we look to the other spectrum, which is mystery. And we say, we don't like mystery. We don't understand it. We can't comprehend it. And so we swing the pendulum over to complete knowledge. And I, and I think there's just taking both into account is what's most important. Like we take knowledge because it's good, but we also embrace mystery because it's good as well. Because in mystery, there's you know reverence and something beyond ourselves. That's the very definition of faith, is the marriage between absolute certainty and mystery. You're embracing both sides, but yeah. you're not you're not fully invested in one side and and disregarding the other. You don't sacrifice one for the other, right? Yeah, yeah. That tension is where we walk. That's that's the fine line that we straddle our entire walk, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not so focused on the tree that you forget about the forest. Mm-hmm. Another Shane Wood quote. We're what they encounter in this world because we're supposed to be bringing the mystery to them. I think JJ has a, a you know quote from an, a person, a non-believer, you know, reflecting on on God and reflecting probably indirectly reflecting how he has encountered other Christians, or not other Christians, but Christians in general. Right, yeah, so this is a friend that I've had for a while, um, and, and I'll, I'll make sure to uh, delete the expletives here. Uh, <laughs> but here we go. So this is this is what he said. There's this box, and you can't see what is in the box. You can't shake it or feel how heavy it is. It's just a box. Whatever is in the box is called God. Now, everybody takes a guess, and some people describe it one way, and some people describe it another way, and some people say the box is empty. I'm just sitting here like, how should I know what's in the box? I'm not just going to guess or make some crazy assumption based on zero information. It could be empty. It could have any other random spaghetti monster in it. Who knows? Why should I care? And so I don't care. Agnosticism. Yay. So this is it. We are placing God in a box when we choose not to embrace mystery. So I think it's interesting listening to that. Um, this this guy obviously has grasped one of the two key components of our understanding of God. And the first is that God is unknowable, is that he's infinite, that he's outside of us, that he's, you know, he's all these characteristics that he can't fully be understood. He is this box, right, this mystery box that we can never really fully grasp on. But what I think that he's missing is this other key component that God has reached out to us and desires to be known. And so we were talking before about that tension between the mystery and the certainty, and and that tension and that marriage is, is our faith. And that's where mystery comes into play with understanding the Lord is that we hold these two things in tension. You know, your your friend has got the one piece, but he's missing the other that God desires to be known. So in this scenario, mystery is the connection between God's unknowability and desire to be known. And so how do we interact with that mystery? You know, if we're going to say that after we leave here, what what needs to change 
in our lives so that we can better embrace mystery. Well, I think one thing is not restricting God to a box. He is, he is outside of that. He is outside of our limitations. And I think that in the church today, there are a lot of people that want to rationalize everything and they, they want to place God in a box. God is outside of that. I don't know where I'm yeah. going yet. I'm... Sorry. It's fine. Just take it as He's not like, I think you're, you're, you had it like, he's not restricted to our understanding of him. He doesn't fall into this model of, it must be like, if it's real, it's noble. And if it's noble, or if it's not noble, it's not real. He doesn't fall into that. And I think some of us in the church today, so concerned with how, you know, with absolute certainty, with, with rationalizing everything. I mean, we'll, we'll point the finger all day at other people saying, oh, well, all you're trying to do, all you scientific people, all you're trying to do is rationalize and, you know, have concrete answers for things. Well, that's exactly what, what people are doing in the church. We're not embracing the mystery of the situation. Mm-hmm. And so people like your buddy who come across and say, no, look, we can't know these things. The, the shame is that neither really are right. Right. That, that we need to hold these two concepts in tension to really get the picture, to see what the mystery is. Yeah, so a practical application that we can take away for today, I think can be found in the First Corinthians passage that we that we read about the about the Eucharist. And that's when we approach these moments of mystery, these sacraments, that we need to examine ourselves before we come to them. What is the predeterminate thoughts coming from us? What are we holding on to? so you know drastically that we can't let go to embrace that mystery are we holding on to you know, anger towards our brother you know are we holding on to fear so that we avoid mystery what are our actions that are contrary to the way we live and therefore when we do interact with this mystery this mystery doesn't react you know Jesus doesn't react negative to negatively towards us that we become sicker or that he's judging us but that he at his mystery and himself he's actually helping us along the way so you could almost say that mystery is an extension of, of being vulnerable or vulnerability mm. yes that's exactly what i was thinking it's like when we look at either side of this coin of mystery and say you know we have absolute certainty about this that that is a prideful statement right and then when we look at the other side and we say we can have no knowledge of this um that is also prideful in the sense that we've we know that it's unknowable does that make sense we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that no one can know it and so it's it's when you hold these two in tension and we embrace the mystery, that's the true humility that, yeah, we, we can know some things, we can't know others, we are limited. And so when we embrace our limitations, we're embracing a, a humble mindset, which is, it seems like Paul is arguing is so important going into communion. And that's how you connect to others, right? That's where the community happens. In humbly embracing the mystery, the mystery of our faith. So maybe if we were to wrap this up in one statement, 
one declaration here at the end. We might say this. By embracing mystery, we approach these sacred moments, these sacraments, in humility. And we get the opportunity to experience them more fully and, and really enjoy the complexity of them. And that humble mindset is what equips us for community. Because when we make mystery synonymous with vulnerability, that's when community happens. So instead of deciding what, uh, what we're going to talk about next week, why don't we just embrace the mystery today? And uh, we'll keep all of our, our people guessing. That's a good idea. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll see you next week with the topic of... Cue music. <laughs>